Okay, it's time now for Essential Songs on the Right Hook. Bill Hughes is here as ever to give us his essential songs from a particular year. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thanks, Mick. How are you? I'm not too bad. How far back are you taking us? We're going back to 1984. And the first time I did 1984, I did I Want to Break Free by Queen. Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper and Together in Electric Dreams, Phil Oakey. So that was volume one of 1984. But 1984, and because essentially this is kind of me with a flourish, getting getting out of here. This is the last one. I, on, this, on my, the, this incarnation. In this incarnation, up. yeah. But I'll be back on, on the, the high noon next week. So, um, but I just wanted, you know, in 1979, people said disco is dead. And that would have been very hard for me to take because I love disco. But in 1984, they transmogrified the idea of disco and they brought out a style of music that became known as high energy. And the high energy started with a song called High Energy that was sung by Evelyn Thomas, was a massive worldwide hit, sold seven million copies and was written by an Irish guy. Really? And the Irish guy was Fiacre Trench. Now, Fiacre, people will know, worked with Boomtown Rats on I Don't Like Mondays yeah. and with the Pogues on Fairy Tale of New York, but had also worked with Sinead O'Connor, Elvis Costello, Art Garfunkel, Paul McCartney. Fiacre had a fantastic body of work. He was the man who put all the strings on the Coors music. So for Fiacre to get together with Ian Levine, he, he and Ian Levine had worked together and Ian had been in America looking for American gospel singers to bring to the UK in 1975 and he found Evelyn Thomas and he was just waiting for the right song and they couldn't give her a disco song they had to give her something else so they gave her a song called High Energy and High Energy became this stunning floor filler in every club around the world and every disco and disco started to make a comeback having been dead for five years This (laughs) This is the part where people like me are not sure of the song but the minute you hear it I bet you danced to it It all comes flying back (laughs) Let's hear it
high energy. Yes, Phil, the answer is I did dance to it. Or, now, that may be abusing the verb to dance, but I certainly moved to it. Yeah. Brings it all back again. Oh, yeah. Remember it. And everybody who had uh, fun that summer in 1984 would remember it from a club somewhere on their holidays. On their holidays. Uh, great that was, that was the summer that John Tracy won his medal in Los Angeles. It was. It yeah, was. big Olympics that summer. And I was, I was a lowly production assistant in RTE uh, handling the downloads from the feeds down from LA. Really? And, and I was watching the marathon. To, I had to watch different events to see what was going to be of interest. And at two in the morning, I phoned my parents who were long asleep and I said, get up, get up, turn on your telly. John Tracy's going to win a medal. Fantastic. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it was a great, great, great oh, it was. I, I still remember it. Well, of course, I was only in the cot at the time. Oh, maybe. really? Really? <laughs> yeah. right. so, okay. so the next the next song, right, um, it finally reached number one on the UK charts and the Irish charts at the end of January 1984. It had been hanging around for nine weeks and the reason it hadn't gone straight to number one was because nobody would play it. People were afraid of it. People were terrified of it. And even some DJs, uh, Mike Reid in particular on the BBC, took a stand against it and said that the lyrics were so rude that he wasn't going to play them. But DJs like Kid Jensen and John Peel who had nighttime slots said, relax. Relax, go to it. And so that's it. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And it just, Frankie Goes to Hollywood with Relax. When they first performed it on the Tube, and I, do you, I don't know if you remember I the remember, show, yeah, the, yeah. the Tube was a great place to yeah, see new yeah. music. Trevor Horn was watching. He saw it. He thought, it's good, but it's far too limp. And then he met up with them, took them back into studio, and he did the Trevor Horn treatment on it. Suddenly, it was this massive anthem with all these special sound effects. But the lyrics were just too rude for a lot of people. Um, but Frankie Goes to Hollywood, what a band. During that famous uh, hiatus in the 80s when people were welcomed to Ireland for tax relief, you know, Charlie oh, Hollies, yeah. yeah, yeah. And all, like at one stage, you couldn't walk down Grafton Street without bumping into half the top ten. Uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Spandau Ballet, yeah. the Thompson Twins, De- Def Leppard, Howard Johnson, you know, or Howard Jones. They were all living in Dublin at the time. But Frankie Goes to Hollywood, they... Uh, split around different parts of Dublin but they were forever in the Pink Elephant in, in the glory days and Relax became such a massive song followed immediately by Two Tribes followed immediately by The Power of Love their their version of The Power of Love all went to number one. That wasn't their song, The Power of Love. No, that's Jennifer Rush's version ah. of the, the... But they had a completely different song and it was a Christmas type song remember, where it yeah. was, yeah, The Power of Love and it was about the Magi coming following yeah, the stars. Yeah. It was a beautiful song. Completely different than the Jennifer Rush, uh, Power of Love. Um, but they... Isn't it interesting, Bill, the, the, the way... It was, they, they were regarded as being subversive in that regard and the power the radio had then compared to now. Oh yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't well the BBC Powers agreed with Mike Reid and, and said they'd, they'd prefer it wasn't played but that's why Kid Jensen and John Peel were so brave at the time they just said sod that we're not going to be censored. And I remember seeing it on uh, Top of the Pops. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well they performed it live in studio and the following week it went to number six and then the following week it went to number one because the public didn't hear it it wasn't getting played but as soon as they saw it and then the video was so suggestive because, to be fair, you had two outrageous gay characters, Holly Johnson and Paul Rutherford, out the front. And Holly was singing, Paul was dancing, 
But then you had the fantastic Mark O'Toole on bass. And that bass line was so amazing. And Mark was just one of the most handsome men. He was like a big matinee idol. He'd walk into any room and fill it. Whereas Holly Johnson was only five foot three, you know, a tiny little thing. But what a talent and what a voice. But relax. It, it just put a marker down and it said to everybody, literally, relax. <laughs> Go to it. And let's hear it.
it ages so well good. doesn't it isn't it fantastic it still sounds as fresh Absolutely, as yeah. the first day you heard it Trevor Horn's production is immaculate Holly Johnson's voice but the song is just so good it's a rich song it's cheeky as hell but that doesn't matter it's they so shot good. like a comet though I mean they were there for about a year and then yeah but then uh, then Holly had a fantastic Holly solo Johnson, career yeah. yeah if you get Holly's uh, solo album Blast it's superb. There's amazing stuff on it. And I see, I saw him perform it live. My God, the guy's just a bundle of talent. Really right, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Right. Another bundle of talent. And funnily enough, another very small person. Uh, we lost him this year, April 21st, 2016, the day that Prince died. Yeah. Um, but Prince in 1984 was having his golden year because that was the year of Purple Rain. The, the movie. The movie. And he had done the soundtrack for the movie and they were just at the, the stage where they were mixing the, the film but there was a, a song missing from a particular, like a segment of the film where there were sort of parental difficulties in a love affair and the, the producers of the movie said to Prince, we need a song to cover that sequence. We really do. And Prince went away and the next morning came back with two songs and one of them was When Doves Cry. And th- that movie, because that really, it, it, it elevated him up into the stratosphere. And, and the, the gist of it from recollection was around a young singer who makes it big in his personal life. Was it his concept, the movie itself? No, I don't think so. Right. No, 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 no. I think he was part of the creative team. Right. And certainly the song cycle was completely his song cycle. Because that really... It's a beautiful song yeah. cycle. Like you can, but this song, this particular song, "When Doves Cry," I think it has such resonance, regardless of being 1984. Any year, it doesn't matter. It's such a really strong song. But um, it's so sad that that he left us this year, and that now that all the postmortems and all the investigations, yeah. and it seems like it was just a tragic accident that yeah. he took too much painkiller and. You know, I know people will say, oh, he was a drug addict and he was this, that and the other. But he took too much painkiller. It was not a deliberate suicide. And that's what's so sad about it. It is, definitely. And he was such a, uh, he was a workaholic in some ways. He was, he was, and prolific. And on When Doves Cry, he went into the studio to put this together for them after they heard the demo. And he played all the instruments. And he put in a bass line. And... In listening back to it with his his pal, particularly Jill Jones, the singer, he said, you know what? Having the bass line makes it sound like any other song. Let's take the bass line out. And that makes the song sound even more stark and more the point of what I'm trying to get across. So they took out the bass line, delivered the thing. It went onto the soundtrack and bang. When Doves Cry gave Prince his first number one in America. Let's hear it.
Yeah, another one that's aged well, Bill. Oh, yes. It it good music is good music and that's it has it. a lasting quality, you know. The production on it alone, and when you realise that he played every single instrument and he produced it, you know, he's and that singing voice. But to write that song overnight to a brief and to be able to do it and for it to then give him his first American number one, it's a fantastic uh, song. Bob Dylan did the same thing making a movie once for, about... Um, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Brought overnight. He was asked for being an appropriate song. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> We're coming to the last roundup. We're coming to the last <laughs> roundup. And I figured I had to go out with a camp flourish, a big camp flourish. I hope you will indulge me, Mick. Absolutely. With the big bit, camp yeah. flourish because this is just a, a, a fun song. Um, it started its life in 1982, but really hit pay dirt in 1984 and was one of the biggest songs of the year. Uh, a massive hit all over the world. Written by uh, Paul Jabara and by Paul Schaefer. Now, Paul Jabara was the guy behind Donna Summer's Last Dance uh, from Thank God It's Friday and Barbara Streisand's The Main Event from The Main Event. And Paul Schaefer, everybody will know, was the musical director for David Letterman for years for the whole oh, the little yes. Paul, baldy guy with the yeah, thing yeah, yeah yeah and he was his he was he worked with Letterman for 35 years but uh, together they wrote It's Raining Men and it became this massive hit for the Weather Girls the now weather when girls. they wrote it they offered it to Diana Ross Donna Summer Cher and Barbara Streisand who all turned it down oh <laughs> and God. then they offered it to Martha Wash who was this fantastic singer and she was singing with Isora Armstead. Together they were the Weather Girls or at the time Two Tons of Fun and they recorded Big it. women. Yeah, and it went on to sell six million copies. <laughs> fantastic. No, it's, it's, it's one you'll always remember. Yeah, it's raining men. Okay, and before we uh, listen to that, I want to thank Bill for Essential Songs here on The Right Hook on the last occasion in disguise. Uh, anyway. Thanks, mate. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to listen to It's Raining Men. Get ready, all you lonely girls, and leave those umbrellas. 